Well, what's up, everybody? Salty Dogs Podcast. Yo, yo. Me and Chris, me being Jason and Christopher Chris Cerna. Being Chris. Chris being Chris. And Casey's not here. Casey is taking a little bit of time to get his head together. And uh, yeah, I guess I don't know what to say about that. Well, Casey, just, Casey's just in a, he's in a season right now. And so he's just working on himself. And, uh, right. And we'll update you guys as, as Casey updates us. Yeah, right. For sure. So, yep, Casey, we'll ha- he'll be back, and uh, it'll be good. So, so it's just two brown people for that, now. <laughs> this is the two brown people <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so here we are, man. Okay, so I got I got a little opening banter for you. You do. I'm going to give you options. You have you have two options. Okay. Um, we can either talk about, uh, we can either share some some of our favorite Chris and Jason memories from Houston, or uh, I can ask. Let's the choose qu- your own adventure podcast. Yeah, choose your own adventure podcast. Or I'll ask you the question that I was going to ask the other night. Do that. You want to do that? Yes. One? Okay. Do the question. So, so I had texted Jason. I was like, "Hey, man, let's go live on on our Facebook page." And and, and we couldn't get questions. that. Yeah, we couldn't, we couldn't get, get that, that to work, to work either, oh my man. Gosh, anyways, yeah. yeah. So, anyways, that didn't work out. We weren't able to do it, and um, and so he's been bugging me. What's the question? I was like, ah, I don't want. I don't feel like typing it. So I'll ask you now. So at our fireside, the fireside is fireside is when I, I host this thing to where guys come and hang out uh, in our driveway um, every Monday night, and some smoke cigars and drink beer, and we just we just have conversations about Jesus. It's real cool. I'm um, super progressive. You Dudes, know. wood and fire. Dudes, wood and fire, and uh, <laughs> and so and so we do that. And anyways, we got on the topic um, of scripture. As I mean normally comes along with the territory. As most Christians should in their groups, because if they don't, it's not really a group, and yeah. it's not really a church. If you're really not doing an Andy Stanton, never mind. Um, anyways, so I... Do you guys do a Devo? Do you do a Devo every time you get around a, a fire? We you actually don't? don't even open the Bible. Oh, wow. What we're doing. We just talk I about... I just don't even know what to say we about just you talk guys. talk about what Jesus is doing in our lives. Christians hanging out without opening the Bible? I mean, some would. We're about to go on. I don't we're about okay. to go down. All right, a trail. let's do it. Go for it. Why are you trying to get me salty? I'm sorry. Man? You're this, already salty, I'm bro. I'm not salty. Okay. The so <laughs> here's here's my question. Um, I, I asked the question. Do you? And I was asking this to the guys, and I'll ask you this: Do you feel encouraged if you're going through a really hard time, going through something difficult, and then somebody? Um, Gives you scripture. For yes, it. shares scripture with you, and and to try to encourage you. Like, do you? Do, be honest. Do you feel encouraged? It depends. Okay. What does it depend on? Because that was the answer that yeah, some guys it, gave. It just. Sure. I think it just depends on where I'm at. I mean, it, it, I don't Give know. Give a percentage. I, Is, are, are you well, more likely to not be encouraged than encouraged? It depends on the scripture. So here. Okay. So I'm going to get really spiritual on you. That's too early in the podcast. No. So, so here's the thing, though. Like, I think if somebody with the spiritual gift of encouragement or teaching speaks into my life at the moment, spirit prompted and like, Hey, the Lord just put this on my heart for you. I'm probably going to be more likely. I'm not talking about that. Okay. What are you talking about? I'm talking about the person that's like listening and they don't know what to say. So they're like, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. <laughs> and they like, you know, they so you're saying when you. people just, they reach into the, the old ye old grab bag of <laughs> verses, coffee mug verses. That's right. Yeah. So and when they, they reach into that one and I mean, I mean yes, the I other mean, way, obviously. Well, here's, I, like I said, I'm twisting it, your arm. To I, make you I think it also, it just depends, man. Like, honestly, there are some people who can speak into your life and there's some who can't. And, right. and it's, I don't know. Maybe it's a pride thing. Maybe it's a relational thing. And that's what a lot of the guys said is they honestly said it depends on who it is. Like yeah, if it was right, anyone okay. sitting around this fire, like absolutely yeah, 100%. Right. So here's here's what I said. Um, I actually don't feel in, 
It, well, it depends, but I would say probably there's a higher percentage that I would not feel encouraged um, by someone just dropping some verses on me. If you or any, you know, someone that's really close to me were to probably do it, I would take that for what it is. But I would also trust that the Spirit prompted that within you guys. Now, I feel like I am more encouraged when people just give me advice. Like people just they just share what's on their hearts and and granted and maybe there's some biblical spiritual aspect to it but it's not necessarily you know scripture well yeah so i think that people who let's say i mean i again for me it just goes back to the gifts that's what i'm saying if they're like empowered prompted by the spirit or i mean it could be the spirit of wisdom that's doing right. something through them. It could be just that gift of encouragement. It could be that they're really smart. I mean, I don't know, but it. I, I think there's something about that, something spiritual gifts being active and actually doing something. Yeah. Because people can give advice and it be biblical or scriptural. I'm doing quotes as if we're live on Facebook right now. Um, Do you want to talk about it? No, I don't want to okay, talk about cool. it. But Co- Cody's here on Skype and we'll introduce him in a minute. So he can see me doing the air quotes, but, uh, it, it, you know, the advice that I give you, it could be godly advice. Um, but you, you're not, you may not see it written out verbatim in the scripture. So, you know what I'm saying? Like I can take principle, Christian principles, spiritual principles, and I can give them to you in the form of advice right, that right. is in the scripture. Yeah. But then I could, after I gave you that advice and you were encouraged, I'll say, oh, that's what that one scripture is about and give you the scripture. And you'd be like, yeah. oh, and make the connection. But if I started with a scripture, maybe you're just going to say, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. And all that I was, I, but what I, is the, that? The reason I asked that question was just because I feel like lately it's been a long, it's been a minute since someone's just dropped a scripture on me and it's like changed my life. But but I can say, you know, Mark McMahon, uh, yeah, Mark McMahon's comment, the pastor right. here in town, about the coffee filter thing, like, yeah. that was heart-changing. Like, mm-hmm. But I believe that was a, a word of knowledge that God gave Mark to share yeah. with you, for you to share with me, and it, like, right. checked me. But coffee didn't exist in biblical times, and so yeah. it, that wasn't the spirit. That was just man. That was worldly. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. That so was Mark in the flesh. Here's the second part. Do we have part for the second, like, time for the second part of the question? Yes. Okay, so the second part of the question was... Um, well, I don't know, really know how to ask this. How do you think it would be received if you got up and preached a sermon without ever using scripture? Like, do you think people would notice? Do you think they would be upset? Do you think, is that okay? Is that preaching? Is that just like incurred? What is that? Is Are there you, a place for that when within you, the church? When you I just say, asked like 20 questions. I know. When you, <laughs> what, what is a, what is, oh my gosh, what is that stupid quote from a, uh, Billy Madison versus the old lady. Oh, what is a horseshoe? Is, is there, a, are there horse socks? Yeah, she's <laughs> Is anybody around. listening to me? Um, so, are, are you saying like, I'm going to go preach a sermon, but I didn't like prepare scripture to give? Or, yeah, I mean, because I mean, there's been times where, I, so like if I never ever say, well, the scripture tells well, us. Well, maybe you referenced like, you know, I mean, but in the moment, but you just got up and you just, you know, kind of shared and, but there was never a slide with, you know, Mark one twelve you know, you know what I mean? Like you get it, up there and it's not. So is it possible for you to tell the story of it, your faith journey? No. Uh, is it possible for you to give your faith, your testimony of faith without quoting scripture? I mean, I think, I think anything's possible. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I think I could tell you about how the Lord moved in my life, like 
you know, man, God was so good and he did this okay. and he did that. And then so people would go, oh, well, he's sharing his testimony. That's okay. No, I'm talking like you get up and you start sharing some truth. Like that maybe aligns with scripture, but it's not speaking scripture. You know right. what I mean? Like you're not quoting. I'm not referencing the Bible right, right. to like Is there a place for that? Point. Is that sure. okay? I think it's okay. Do you think people would be upset about that? I think there are certain people who will be very upset about that. And I just think it depends on what camp you fall in. What do you want to tell those people? Uh, I'm just kidding. Oh I'm just kidding. I just, I like having you on the hot seat you, right you now. You can't do that. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're like totally freaking grilling me right now. This is a very different dynamic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I just, I think it depends on the camp you fall in. Some people, you know, it's interesting because you can get me on the whole word of God thing. I, I really would like to, Cody's been waiting on us for a long time well, I, now. I think we'll probably get into some of that stuff. I think it'll tie in. Yeah. But I, I just, it, I think it depends on what your definition of the word of God is. Boom. But you're saying scripture Bible. Well, I mean, I'm just, t- I'm, yeah, I mean, I, I'm i just talking about the book, anything that's written right, in the book. Right. I don't want to get into the... The good book. You know, the good... Yeah, the good word. Okay. I don't want to get into the scripture versus Rhema, Logos. I don't want to sure. get into all that. But we yep. probably will, but not okay. now. Great. But we have some salt. Whoop, whoop. It's time to time to pass the salt. Pass the salt. I don't even know how the we song need, goes, yeah, we but the it. song will go. We need so, yeah. All right. So, pass the salt is when we take some time and we read a review or a comment or a message that people send us just a quick reminder. If you're on iTunes, even if you're not on iTunes or Apple podcast, go and rate and review the podcast. It really helps us get the, uh, the info out about the podcast. It kicks us up in the rankings, the more reviews and ratings we have. So we want people to know about the show, hear about the show. So if you love the show or like the show, if you four or five star the show, hopefully five star all the time, then go and leave a rating and review. You can also a two star. Don't even bother. Don't even bother. You can also leave reviews on Facebook and, and, uh, and that's kind of a cool thing. And so anyways, we got a message. Oh, one more thing. Don't forget, uh, you can email us at saltydogspodcast at gmail.com. And uh, that would be great. Yeah, it's been a minute since we've heard from some listeners. So shoot us some emails. Yep. Let us know what Hit you guys up. are thinking, how you're processing. They're dropping like flies. Man. They are. <laughs> so uh, we're not going to read the whole message, but there's a lady named Catherine who's from England. England. And so uh, she, she... Oh my gosh, we're so American. <laughs> uh, she she reached out and uh, she said, hey, just listen to your We're Salty Bro podcast. I'm going to skip some, but part of what she said here was, uh, I've got a lot of questions and some doubts about some things. And actually hearing that podcast was really helpful. To know that it's okay to question things and to challenge things without being excluded or called out as unfaithful is so important when you're brand new and have no idea where to start. makes me feel like the faith isn't some club that you can only be part of if you don't ask questions. Boom. That's really great. Anyway, thank you for the podcast. You guys are funny. Cat. Thanks, Cat. Thanks, Cat. Cat. I hope. Do you want to do it? No, you do it. I'll do it. Yeah, you do it. (laughs) I can tell you really want to do it. It's so scripted. I was already like thinking in my brain how I was gonna deposit. We'll do it. The cheeks upon De- deposit yeah. those rosies. That's right. I I hope that the uh, the skies crack open with a roar of thunder and lightning, and that the Lord doths upon thee the rosiest cheeks in all the land. So much so that your friends notice and say, "Who gave you those?" 
That's pretty good. Not is as good as Casey, good? but... No, Casey's pretty funny. Is good. Yeah, he cracks us up with good. that. <laughs> We're so dumb. Anyways, thank you guys for uh, rating and reviewing the podcast and his messages. Also, one more quick thing. Go to SaltyDogsPodcast.com and on our contact us page, uh, you can do all of the reaching out to us there, but we also have a Google voice number. And so something I want people to do is number one, text us. But hey, if you want to call and leave us a oh, voicemail... We can play some of those. We can play... Yeah, and answer the, some questions. Yeah, so this is our first request for that. So if you guys want to do that saltydogspodcast.com click on contact us there is a voice number google voice number there and uh, you can call that and leave us a message and we'll choose some to can I make a request? play on the podcast can, go for can it can somebody leave us a message where they do their their best um preacher impression i would love to just listen to that can we do that? You just I request that. totally ruin the integrity of that entire situation that's but that's fine okay. people can do that if they want <laughs> all right so hey yeah. So, so we got it. So this is a this is one of okay, first. right. It's kind of a first. We did a bonus episode with um, with Pete McCallum with Pyramid Park, and uh, he he called in, and so we had our first call we in did guest that Zoom on Zoom. And so we actually did yeah we did that through Zoom. So we had our first call in guest as a bonus episode. And he came all the way or he was on all the way from Cambridge, in the UK United Kingdom. Right. But today, all the way from the dirty third, the South. Right, all the way from Houston, Texas. Shit, was it Houston? Sheldon? All the way from Sheldon, Texas, is, Texas is Cody. Cody, what's up, man? How you doing, man? Hey, not much. How y'all doing? We're doing there good. Was it super hard for you to sit there and just listen to us be ridiculous? Uh, no, it was. It was cool. It was, it was entertaining. <laughs> Do you have anything you want to add? to Anything we said? Oh, um, he took man, notes so He's much, got but I'll get to it. <laughs> okay, cool. Awesome. Well, look, can I give a little bit of context to how I know Cody? Sure. Okay, cool. Well, I was going to do it anyway. Sounds even good. If you said yeah. no. I mean, but okay. so, so Cody and I um, go back to, um, he was actually in a small group that I was a part of in youth group. I don't know how old you were at the time when, when that happened, but um, I was in sixth grade. And to give you some context, this was a fairly large church with a fairly large youth group. I don't know how many people were in the youth group, but I mean, it, there were hundreds at least. Right. I mean, it was a very big youth group. And so I was in sixth grade and I showed up to um, a guy, Adam, um, brother Adam, a, a guy who was uh, at that time in my life and I, somebody who I consider to be a catalyst in my faith and a spiritual father and someone who just really cared about me and loved me and, and was very present in my life. And so, um, you know, Cody was also in that in that small group that met in a home for youth, but you were much, much older. I remember that. Right. I was in high school at the time. Yeah. Were you a senior at the time? Oh, I don't know. Junior, senior, somewhere. Yeah. You had to have been pretty, pretty high up there because I just, (laughs) I just always remember feeling not, not cool enough. Um, but you guys never made (laughs) me feel, you guys never made me feel that way. This was really cool because there were a lot of, um, older, older kids in that, you know, there was, there was you and there was Jose and there was Misty and then there was, um, uh, Cody, now Andreas, now you need to write a book about how to make not so cool kids feel accepted by the cool kids (laughs) in small group and sell it for 1995 and I'll do the graphic design for you and we can make money off of it. There you go. That's perfect. So it was, I just, I always felt included. They always did such a great job of making me feel welcome. So anyways, that's, that's how I know Cody. Anything you want to add about that point in history? He's so excited. Uh, no, he's barking. Yeah, no, uh, those are good times. Uh, yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, so, so Cody, are, are you, or have you ever been in ministry, like full-time, part-time volunteer? Like, yeah. So, um, 
I mean, it really kind of started back when I was in high school, kind of when he's talking about, um, you know, I started uh, in eighth grade, I think, getting really involved in the church. I started out as a, at a little small Baptist church. Um, and, so did I. Yeah. And I think part of it is, you know, I was raised to always believe that adults are right and you need to do everything you can to impress adults and right. that sort of thing. So. Um, when I got involved in the church world, immediately I just went headfirst in. Uh, starting in the ninth grade, I started playing in the church band. Tenth uh, grade, I became the president of our Christian club at the school. Oh wow! By eleventh, yeah, by eleventh grade, I was calling myself a youth evangelist and preaching at a few local churches. And after I graduated for the summer, I was the youth pastor at a small Baptist church. Okay. All right, so you do have some ministry experience. Yeah, he's I kind of you know, it's not often that we I don't know that we've had any guests on who haven't had some type of ministry experience. Yeah. I kind of wondered if you'd be the first, but that's okay. Yeah. I remember Cody always just having some truth bombs that he was dropping, I mean, in small groups. So, nice. you better drop those today. Yeah, we ex- oh, we know. fully probably changed a lot. We fully <laughs> expect a barrage of truth bombs I want to you rain to- down. Never mind. I'm not going to say that. No, that's, that's fine. Okay, so tell us. So, so okay. So here's how. Here's here's. What, I want to kind of give some a preface to some of this, and I think this may set us up. Going back to when you commented on my Facebook post, is it mm-hmm. is it cool? Is that a good place to start? I think it will transition with that comment to kind of set us up. So, um, back when I still had that filter around my heart that was so negative and and gross, um, I was I was stirring the pot a little bit on Facebook, and I had posted. Um, this is what I said. I said I was listening to someone share their story. And a turning point for them in their lives was when they found a good church. Uh, it, it prompted this question in my mind, what makes a good church? I'd love to hear descriptions of what that might look like. And I mean, there were 46 comments where people engaged um, in this. And I mean, there were a lot of different people sharing a lot of different things, a lot of similarities, a lot of differences. Um, but Cody commented, and Cody, I think this was probably the first time that we've had contact in, I mean, it's quite wow. some time. Yeah, quite some time. So you're a Facebook friends, but not RL friends. Well... No, you jerk. <laughs> we just hadn't talked in a while. Uh-huh. So here's what Cody said. He, and so he's here's what Cody is saying is a good church. He said, a church that values history, social justice, and rational thought in its theology, that doesn't believe the Bible is the actual word of God, that is committed to helping the least of these, and challenges us to do all that we, uh, all that we can to end systematic oppression. So... There's a lot in that that was like, okay, okay, we're good. Well, there's one thing that made all of the evangelical hair stand up (laughs) on the back of their necks and gasp. (gasps) So there was somebody then that said, well, you said, basically said, that doesn't, uh, they quoted, that doesn't believe the Bible is the actual word of God, dot, dot, dot. That means you're a non-believer, not a Christ follower, dot, dot, dot. And Cody, dude, I got to give it to you, man. Like he went on a three- paragraph and i'm not i mean no it's probably more than that he had three comments that were each probably five paragraphs that are comprised of six sentences each like you you laid out some very and you weren't arguing let me make that clear you weren't arguing you know you were basically saying hey i understand that let me share basically you shared your journey kind of a little bit of how you moved from believing everything you were taught to to questioning some things about the Bible. And you did it so tastefully, and you did it so well, and I was very mad that they did not respond. But I I appreciate you willing to to step out there and do that. And so I want to give you the floor now and allow you to address just all of that. All right, You know, basically her saying you're not a Christian. So wrap... 
set this up for our listeners. Wrap this in a question or a topic so we know where we're going. Okay, so really what I would love to hear, Cody, just in this interview is is how you moved from believing everything that you were taught, you know, kind of the adults are always right, to wherever you are now. Um, because it seems like and throughout some of the comments you, you've moved away from maybe believing that the Bible is the actual Word of God. And so I'd love okay. to kind of hear about that and even what your beliefs about the Bible are. Is that is that better? Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Okay. I feel so like you so what is the Bible? Is that where we're going? Or are, we talk, or are we or are we talking about journeying like i know, think they're gonna uh, there's gonna be some overlap which is fine like personal right. the, developing a personal theology or something like that yeah i could sure. just tell my story so. <laughs> we'll let he's, him do that he's like just let me talk yeah yeah well, so, shut up. I mean, go for it yeah so first of all my goal was never to be hurtful or anything like that you know i always want to encourage people i always want to breathe life into people in any way that i can but um, yeah, so the question kind of how does how did I go from youth pastor right after high school to saying that maybe the Bible isn't the actual word of God? Um, it all starts kind of with that youth pastor position, because while I was the youth pastor, uh, there was an associate pastor at that church who was one of the strictest people that you would ever meet. You know, there was a book out at the time called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Oh, yeah. And, Josh, yeah, what's his face? I don't even remember the guy's name. I, I remember but, that. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, in a way, this was actually going well beyond the Bible to something even more strict, you know, and they taught that, you know, you can't, Christians can't date, Christians can't listen to secular music, you can't watch movies, you can't watch TV, TV shows, TBN, like that's it, right? Just watch Preachers 24-7. <laughs> and that was it. And, and I did that for a long time. And, you know, um, I didn't date from like ninth grade all the way up to my last year of college because of that book and that's an all kind of trauma that's a different story. Can can I can I ask you some questions based on that? I I, yeah. I want to let you keep going but that's interesting. So, you know, you listed off a bunch of things that they say you can't do. You can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that. It makes right. me it makes me think of um just a phrase, you know, Christian a lot of people uh, who are Christians talk more about what they can't do than what they can do kind of thing. Right. right. Like that's not, you know, that's religion. That's um, what's the yep. word um, legalism law. Yeah. yeah law. Mm-hmm. So, but anyways, what, what do you think in you at that time motivated you to adhere to all of those, those rules or regulations that were placed on you or presented I, I to you? Goes- yeah, I think it goes back to this idea of believing that if an adult says something, it's right. It's not even like a Christian thing. It's a cultural thing. You know, oh, I grew wow. up in the South. And Interesting. If an, yeah, if an adult says something, it's right. You know, when I asked my mom questions growing up, the answer was always, because I said so. Because I said so. Yep. Right. That, was same, that was pretty similar for you, Jason. Kind right. Of, yeah. um, and I, you know, in, in school, you know, like I need to go to the bathroom. No, sit there. Right. Uh, why? Just because I said so. And so there was this idea that if an adult says something, it's right, especially if it's an adult up on a stage. So when the pastors, when the youth pastors, when all those people said stuff, you know, not only did I believe that it was true because they said it, but I wanted to impress those people by being like the greatest Christian that they had ever seen. And so I think it was largely from that. It was also because I really wanted to help people. I've always had this drive to help people. And I believe that by, you know, sort of doing this, by preaching this this Christianity that I've been taught, that was the way that I could help the most people. 
And so I think a lot of it came from that place. Yeah. I kind of wondered how, if there was any kind of underlying, you know, I, I want to, God, I want to do what's right. And this is what they're saying is right. So I'm going to do that kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah. I think there was a lot of that. Well, if you take the authority, you know, it's like, oh, well, it's an adult. And then you add the Christian adult and then you add the pastor adult. I mean, that probably held some pretty serious weight. Okay. So, okay. So you had, you know, this executive associate pastor person give this book and. Yeah. And, and there was even, this guy was like emotionally abusive as well. Like nothing was ever good enough. I mean, the perfect example is in 2001, that same summer, uh, hurricane or tropical storm Allison happened. Right. And that that particular church that I was at um, went out doing a good deed of trying to help rebuild people's houses. The problem was that they had lots of volunteers, the first and second. Uh, It was pretty much me by myself. And I was an 18 year old, no experience working on houses. But I would go out there and work all day. And then at of the day that guy would show up to pick me up and he would look around and say god's really gonna judge you for the bad job that you're doing here oh and, my goodness and gracious I had spent, yeah and here i had spent my whole day just trying my best only to be told god's gonna judge you for this and man i'm so when sorry. it got time yeah at the end of the summer it was time to go to college um and he was like no god wants you to stay here with me and keep doing this uh and it was a volunteer position without pay and he was like, God doesn't want you to go to college. God's going to judge you if you go to college. And that same summer, my grandfather was sick. And I and my mom was like, you need to go see your grandfather. He doesn't have much longer. And this guy was like, no, God's going to judge you for not helping build these people's houses Goodness. and that sort of thing. So, you know, I think that that kind of killed a lot of my drive, killed a lot of my spirit looking back. You know, it went from Christianity is this liberating thing of Jesus bringing freedom to the captives and, you know, and all that sort of thing to like, I'm just miserable. Like, I feel this like weight on me right, that I like can't Like the suppression, escape. yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think that was the first, you know, um, change I don't think ever happened suddenly, but I think that kind of started changing me. It started the process. Um, then when I went to college, um, I wanted to be a pastor. So I started as a theology major. And I took two Bible classes, Old Testament and New Testament. And I loved the way that the professor taught this class because church had always been a preacher up on the stage with his fist clenched, fist clenched usually saying, this is how it is. Right. And the way that this class worked was we would read several verses and then we would show up in class and he would say, what did y'all get out of that? And People were from all different backgrounds, and we all had different ways that we were taught to interpret that. And then he would say, well, what about this way that St. Augustine interpreted it, or this way that St. Thomas Aquinas, or this way that Jonathan Edwards, and we would like look at all these different theologians, and my mind was just blown. Like I had always been taught, this is the only interpretation. Right, right. And suddenly there's a world of different interpretations by people who are equally as committed Christians. And so, like, I begin to say, like, man, can I really teach other people? Because I don't want to lead people the wrong way, like I felt that some of my pastors did. Um, yeah, you felt so, you felt some of that weight, you know, like the, the right. weight of that role. I mean, that's a big deal, yeah. teaching people. Right. Yeah, and at that point, it wasn't even like questioning, should we believe the Bible? It was like questioning, should we believe the way that we've been taught the Bible? And you know, so I changed my major to history at that point. 
uh, and was like, you know, I want to be a history teacher. Uh, so then I started taking history classes. And uh, one of the things when I started taking history classes was that I discovered that a lot of the ways that we interpret the Bible uh, change over time, what, how we interpret it, uh, what we emphasize, and it's usually based on the culture of the time when it's in. Uh, so, wow. for example, America really values capitalism, right? So all those verses about Jesus saying, you know, um, if you want to follow me, give everything you have to the poor, that goes against American capitalism. But we also come from the frontier that values masculinity and getting the job done. So that kind of looks down on homosexuality. So we value sort of a masculine kind of thing. Right. And you, and you can find all this in the Bible, but what we emphasize and what we de-emphasize really comes straight out of American culture, out of the frontier, out of the 1950s, out of just our economic system. So, you know, that started getting me to challenge a lot of that as well. So there's a book that I started listening to. I think you're going to bring um, up the one I'm bringing up. Well, what the is one it? I was thinking. Well, I can't remember what it's called. But if you okay. Say. Yeah. I had started listening to it, um, but it's called Misreading Scripture yes. with Western Eyes, yes. Removing Cultural Blinders to Better Understand the Bible. And it's right. by Randolph, E. Randolph Richards. And uh, I bought the audiobook, and I think I got two or three chapters into same. it. Same. The yeah, exact same. But it's re- yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, you are absolutely correct that the lens through which we read and interpret Scripture has everything to do with our cultural upbringing and even our experiences in church and with people. And like yeah. I, I, uh, I record these uh, testimonies. Uh, once a month for a church here in town. And so I do video editing and uh, we had this one lady who came in and she grew up in a household where uh, she was abused by her father. Um, And so she was just like, you know, I can't relate to people talking about God as father because my earthly father was terrible and my heart broke for her because I was just like, that's such a beautiful concept to be able to understand and grasp yet you've been robbed of that because of your earthly father. But, you know, it, it's her context, her upbringing, her culture that helps her or doesn't help her when she's reading scripture and hearing about who God the Father is. It's really interesting. Yep. So, so um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so then another one of those kind of transition points was around 2004. Or 2004, there was an election. And um, so... I spent my uh, my summers growing up um, and my weekends on a farm. My grandparents owned a farm, and I spent a lot of time out there. And so nature and animals and all that has always been really important to me. Um, also, my dad's a pipe fitter. He was part of the pipe fitters oh, union. Oh, cool. My dad's a yeah. plumber. Oh, cool. So, uh, yeah, so union stuff has always kind right. of yeah, been. Yeah, same. My I used to smoke really a pipe. Important. My dad bleeds union blood, man. Just kidding. Yeah. And uh, and then also in 2004, the war in Iraq was going on. And, you know, I didn't really understand all of the international relations at the time. I just knew that this war wasn't something I really supported. So I uh, chose not to support the Republican candidate in the 2004 election. And I remember going to church and telling people who I saw as mentors that and them saying, no, Bush is the Christian candidate. You have to support George W. Bush. You know, I remember one time we had an evangelist at a church that I was at, and he was preaching on the book of Exodus and God speaking to Moses. And he was like, and God spoke to Moses through a burning bush, and God speaking to us through a burning bush today. There's a bush in the White House oh, that God is speaking, yes. speaking through. Oh, gosh. Right? Oh, so, boy. Um, 
so here I was, I really cared about the environment. I really cared about working people and unions and, you know, the working people thing. I could have given you lots of scripture to support those beliefs, too. And even, you know, the environment. God says that we're supposed to take care of the environment back in Genesis, right? So, um, you know, like I had these beliefs, but the church was like, no, you have to support Bush. Bush is the Christian candidate. And it eventually even turned into you can't be a Christian unless you're a Republican. Oh, man. And, oh, give me a break. Right. And so and you, you said know, this was, was like that. 2004 or something you said? Yeah, th- it okay. was the 2004 election. So, yeah. Um, and at that point, that's when I ultimately just left the church because, you know, like just being told over and over, you can't be a Christian unless you support this. And it just went against my beliefs. Um, so, so you I basically said, okay, I. I won't like, uh, or, or, or at that point, did you say, you know, were you like, well, I'm just going to leave this environment because it's so bad. And I'm just, I still believe I'm a Christian or was it like, well, I guess if that's what they say, I'm just going to walk away from all this. Well, actually it was uh, more like I was going away to school and uh, I was like, (laughs) I'm just not going to find a new church when I get, when I get there. Right. Right. uh, so, yeah, so it was it was much less like, you know, standing my ground and much more kind of convenience. I'm just not going to find a new place. Gotcha. But I think I think getting out of that bubble uh, ultimately led me to, like, really start questioning things even more. And, you know, I made friends who were gay. I made friends who were atheists. I made friends who were like, you know, punk rockers and everything else. And I had been taught. Um, at that little Baptist church that these people were possessed by demons and, you know, were demonic and satanic. And then I got to talking to them and I found that they're regular people who are just being who they believe they are and facing a lot of bullying from the church. And, you know, back when I was in high school, I didn't know, I, I grew up in a small conservative community, so I didn't know any gay people. I didn't know any that were out. I didn't know any atheists. So those were abstract concepts. Um, I mean, they were whatever the preacher painted them out to be or whatever the church painted them out to be. Exactly. So when I actually started talking to them, I was like, wow, these people have been really hurt. And (laughs) you're like, you're "You're an atheist. Where are your horns? You don't have any horns. My pastor said you were going to have horns. Whip crack with the whippet tail. (laughs) Where's your devil (laughs) tail, boy? And I, the thought of hurting them even more that just went against everything I believed in. And, and I knew that that was, I was supposed to, you know, tell them they were bad, tell them they were evil, but all I wanted to do was make them not hurt anymore to make them feel better. What right? a heart, man. What you, a heart. Yeah. It kind of sounds like you have like, like a heart of Jesus or something. It, it sounds like the spirit of God lives in you and has a heart for people who are broken and sick yep. <laughs> and yeah. hurting. You yeah. know, I, uh, I don't I don't get into a lot of I try not to get into a lot of debate about some of the more controversial topics that are um kind of prevalent in our in our nation today with the church and secular society and that kind of stuff but you know one of my go-to questions is like you say you have the spirit of God living in you and you say that you love Jesus and he tells you to love God and love others and so this is a hypothetical person so yeah, this, talking yeah this is hypo- okay. this is hypothetical gotcha. so so it's like, you know, you hold these beliefs and let's just say the beliefs that, you know, you were taught. And, and so this system, this religious system that has a belief system that go, that really puts down and condemns and judges the, the people who are hurting, like you're talking about. And my question is like, are you, you, can you honestly say that 
the spirit of God would lead you to say those things to those people. If they were sitting across the table from you and you were looking them face to face, right? Like the person who can't, the person who has brain cancer and can't afford to have surgery because they don't have medical insurance. Are you going to sit across the table and look them in the eye and say too bad? So sad. I don't like Obamacare or, you know what I'm saying? Or the woman who had to have an abortion or had an abortion and made a mistake and she's broken and you know, wishing she didn't do it. And are you really going to sit across the table and look in the eyes and say, yeah, you're a piece of crap for doing that. Like, I don't think the spirit of God is going to rise up in somebody and say those words. And so my question is always, can you honestly say that the spirit of God is going to speak those words to those people when they're face to face? It's easy to have a generic viewpoint and just put blanket statements on entire groups of people when none of those people are real people to you, but you're, but you're meeting these people uh, face yeah. to face. And you're saying, I'm seeing people who are hurting and I just want to help them feel better. That's the heart of God. Right. Yeah. And, um, I'm kind of skipping like real forward, but, uh, as a teacher, whenever, uh, Trump got elected, this was something that just was really hard for me because I knew that I would be like a mentor that people would come to. But, um, after Trump got elected, suddenly all these students started coming to my office many times in tears. And it was always either I'm undocumented and I'm scared I'm going to get deported. What should I do? Is it going to be okay? Or my parents are undocumented. What should I do? And I didn't have an answer. And I knew that kind of the only reason this is going on is because so many Christians go out and and support this, you know, support these policies um, for the same stuff that I've been dealing with since 2004. And we, we haven't touched much on that on this podcast, but I think I've made the, the statement before, like when an entire uh, group of Jesus followers becomes synonymous with an entire group of political, right. yeah, when, it, when, it, when, when believers become synonymous with a political party, we've missed it, yep. right? Like, how does that even happen? Because... I mean, Jesus said, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and beware of the yeast of Herod. He's talking about religion and politics, right? Yep. But then all of a sudden, Christians are are automatically Republican, right? Yep. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, and I mean, Jesus said, give that to Caesar, which is Caesar's, give to God, which is God's. And yeah, um, and, yeah and, you know, I would never, with the exception of some very angry moments on Facebook, I would never say that you have to be a Democrat in order to be a Christian, right? But I feel like my whole adult life, that's kind of what I've been up against is you have to be a Republican. You have to support these policies. Yeah, it's, and I don't. So. It's super interesting, too, like this idea of of finding your identity. Like your identity has to be wrapped up and tied to – it's just it's just a matter of black and white. And I feel like the church for so long has just – they just want things to be black and white. And I get it because there's there's some peace in black and white, right? Like there's some peace right. in knowing like, okay, if I believe a, it's either A or B, it's black or white, you know, it's this or that. When, so, man, so much of what I believe now, I just, I think there's a lot of gray. Yeah. I think there's yeah. so much gray in things. Yeah. And we Let- just, it's not as black as white as the church wants it to be. And I think that there's a reason for that. I mean, if we were to just go to a, to the, this is going to sound bad, but to just go to the Bible, uh-huh. a, a book, right. and seek our answers there. I mean, we completely could bypass all relationship with God and all relationship with Jesus. Like, yeah, okay, so there's something to wrestle with there. You're you're leading into what, uh, what I was about to bring up. So, let me present a concept to you guys. So you're, I'm sure you're both familiar with this story of 
the fall of man in Genesis three, right? It's Genesis three, fall of man. So God was pretty clear to Adam. He, first of all, he gave Adam directive and command and said, you know, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, do these things. And then he said, but don't, you can eat of all these trees. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because if you do, you'll surely die. You all know the story. So this tree, the fruit that he consumed, um, that at, you know, Eve consumed, and then he had some too, was this knowledge. So it's an understanding and knowing being able to distinguish between good and evil. It's the knowledge of good and evil. Um, and so it's also, we have to remember this. He ate of, of, of a tree that was good for knowledge of what is good. So he's saying, why should, or how is it bad if I know what's good? Right. right. So it's both. It's not just knowing evil, knowing sin. Right. It's knowing good and evil. It's that knowledge. And so ultimately it's apart from God being the source of all knowledge and all understanding and all life. Oh, okay. Right. I see what, I see you what see what I'm saying? Is, yeah. So God was the one who was giving Adam directive and telling him how to live his life and what to do and revealing himself to him, being in relationship with him, giving him purpose. And, and he was the direct line for all things. He was his source for all things. Well, then Adam and Eve go and they source not from God, who is the one who knows all things. I mean, it wouldn't have been a tough question to go ask God. Well, it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So can you, can you teach me what's, what's right and wrong? And God would have said, absolutely. I will teach. And he would have been sourcing from God for knowledge of good and evil rather than sourcing apart from God for knowledge of good and evil. So, so now, so now, so the knowledge of good and evil, it's a black and white thing. It's one or the other. It's either good or it's evil. And so everybody wants to know what's right and wrong in the church. Everybody wants to use the scriptures to figure out what's right and wrong. And so I present the, I present the idea that what if this desire to use the scripture and say, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about homosexuality? What does the Bible say about drugs and drinking and masturbation? What does the Bible say about being a Republican or Democrat? Every, all the questions that everyone's And got. so everybody's going to this, to this book to try and figure out what's good and what's evil. Doesn't that sound exactly like what happened in the garden? Can it be that our desire to decipher good and evil with the scripture Ooh. is us still trying to eat that fruit from that tree? Have you ever considered that? Um, yeah, I think even the Bible, there's that verse that says, he who knows to do good and doesn't do it to that, to him, that is sin. That's right? sin. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, and that's another thing I kind of started really struggling with is, you know, the Bible says homosexuality is a sin, right? It actually even goes as far as saying that we're supposed to put them to death, which, you know, we kind of conveniently <laughs> overlook that and, you know, yeah. again, accept <laughs> the points that we like. Right, right. But, um, <laughs> but I, I really started kind of questioning that. There's that one verse in the Bible that says um, it's Paul and he says all scripture is God breathed right. and all that. Yep. And I think that that's really the one verse that this idea that the Bible is the word of God really comes from. Right. Mm -hmm. It's that one verse. And I started like kind of thinking about that, you know, like I found that I tend to agree with most of what Jesus said, but I disagree with a lot of what Paul said. Right. And then I was like, why do they seem to contradict each other? 
And then I was looking through the book of Acts and I read about how you had Peter, James and John and then you had Paul and they disagreed on something. And then you look at like the book of James and he disagrees with Paul. Yeah, on, and these like, were the right. And these were things that you brought up in that post. A lot of this stuff that you're right. saying now. So I mean, these are these are uh, issues that you brought up with, which is really addressing contradictions. So let me right. just let me just present a book title here real quick. There is a um, there's another book called Jesus Have I Loved But Paul? Question mark. I don't know if you've heard of this or not, but it's it's really interesting because I mean there's it, yeah it's like a narrative approach to the problem of Pauline Christianity. And so mm-hmm. just an interesting book to maybe go take a look at because yeah, it's like, Hey, this Jesus character is pretty great. But then Paul goes on and starts saying some things you're like, that doesn't sound like Jesus. So. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, then I started like thinking about it, like what is scripture? Like, did Paul know that he was writing scripture? Dude, man, me and Jason have asked that quite like, oh, dude, I've, I love this topic. Question, Let's keep like, going. Did right. Peter know? Did Paul know? Did they know? Or, yeah, any of the people, did they know that God was writing through them? Uh, or would they be like, if, if we like went and kidnapped them and brought them forward in a time machine, would they be like, no, y'all are doing it all wrong. This I was think my so. Yeah. <laughs> they'd be like, they'd be so. like, hey, I didn't really like the Church of Ephesus. Like, I, I was really <laughs> hard on them like that. You guys are taking this stuff. I, I kind of right. think they would. I, yeah. Right. I, I present the question because you're like, well, would the, would the authors of those letters and those narratives come back and be like, Oh no, no, you've got it all wrong. You know, my, my question was, do you, my question is, do you believe that God intended for a book to be compiled of all of those ancient writings that would become the, the highest authority, the end all sale, the end all sale for all Christians for all time. Yeah. And, and and all, you know, and I, I don't think so. Heretic. Hey, you're a pastor, aren't you? (laughs) But okay, so keep going because I love I love where you're going with this because I you know I've presented the question before like what is the role of the Bible in the life of a Christian, uh, comma, take into account that the word scripture and the word rhema and the word logos mean all completely different things. Right. And so I think this yeah. is kind of where you're going. Unless you need to get through your story to feel like, unless you feel oh, like no. getting through that, like, because that maybe that plays like some, you know, I don't know, maybe there's some crucial information that you're going to get to. I mean, you can choose to go either way. Yeah, no. So, um, you know, like I started studying this and like, I found out that Jesus died somewhere around 30 AD, but, uh, Paul was writing like in the fifties and the sixties. And it wasn't until around 70 AD that the first gospel came out, the gospel of Mark. And then Matthew and Luke and John came later. And John wasn't until around a hundred AD, like 70 years wow. after Jesus. So you're saying and, that some of the gospels came out after some of Paul's earliest writings? Right. Yeah. So when Paul's writing that about scripture, is he writing about these books that are going to come around later? That no, he's never that's interesting. Read? I don't think so. Um, And then there were also other things. There's the gospel of Thomas. There's the gospel of truth. There's a gospel of James. There's all these other gospels that were kind of contemporary, maybe a little bit later. And they were written by devout believers. And they were lost to history for a long time until we found them. But, um, you know, in the fourth and fifth century, whenever Roman leaders and Christian leaders got together to start deciding what does Christianity mean inside of the Roman Empire? That's kind of when they came up with the canon 
and they started answering these questions and they chose these books and not these other books. And, and, and so there are a lot of people who will, I mean, basically they'll, they'll say, well, you just have to have faith that that council of Nicaea came together, <coughs> ordained by God, led by the spirit and chose that, which would become ultimate authority for all believers for all time. Right. right? It's a leap of faith. It's like faith in them, but also faith in our God. Right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I've been a part of a lot of meetings where we voted on things and, yeah. you know, I, I don't have that much faith in people getting together. Right. So for me, the Bible isn't the word of God. And I mean, even if you look at it, there's all these contradictions. It's like well-meaning good people got together and did their best at at writing, at describing their faith. But that's what it seems like. It doesn't seem like God sat down and wrote the whole thing, right? So, right, like because many many people would say that yeah, God compiled the Bible, and, but he he used people. He, I mean, that's the general belief. And even in even in the book, I mean, you or or your post, you know, you go on to even talk about Moses. Like, okay, you know, Moses wrote Genesis, but then Moses is a long book, and his life went on after, you know. So who else wrote Genesis? Like, there's all of these questions right. that we just kind of just neglect and don't even go to. And I think a part of the reason is just goes back to that black and white. It's easier to believe what has been said than to challenge the status quo because there's discomfort in the status quo because sometimes there's not answers. I mean, or maybe even the answers that we want. Yeah. So, so you said you don't believe that the Bible is the word of God. Do you believe that the Bible contains some of the words of God? Um, I think that the gospels, uh, you know, they're, um, I don't, from my best understanding of history, uh, you know, it's the the people who wrote the Gospels probably weren't people who actually walked with Jesus. It was secondhand accounts. But, you know, it's um, it's probably fairly close to uh, the, the spirit of what Jesus said, even if it's not word for word. Right. But right? even and, like the prophets, you know, when they would say things like, thus saith the Lord, do you think that when you read those words, you're reading actual things that God was saying to those people in that time? No, I tend to think that it was, uh, you know, well-meaning, devout people who were doing their best to say what they felt that God would say at that time period, right? Interesting. So, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So I, I think uh, it's good guidance, but I don't think we should use it as we have to follow this word by word. And we certainly shouldn't use it as a weapon in like a political debate or right. an argument. Yeah. All right. So, so now tell me how you then, how do you navigate your Christian life? So if you've, if you've gone ahead and said, Hey, I don't believe the Bible's the word of God. I think it's well-intentioned, good people, good principles. Maybe it's close to what some of the things he said are true. Like, so how, how do you navigate this life then? If the number one book that Christianity subscribes to isn't essentially the number one thing in your life to or, lead you and guide yeah, you. Or would you even still claim the title of Christian? You know, like I, I have yeah. no clue where, you, where you're at. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for me, at least right now, uh, I claim Christian. Uh, and for me, it's just taking a leap of faith that, uh, that God does exist, that there is a creator who created everything in some way. Um, and you know, and I, I accept the teachings of Jesus, um, you know, right. I, I don't know how much that puts me in the actual church, Camp. the actual Christian yeah. religion. Yeah. yeah. I, but, 
Oh, go you ahead. Know, I think we I think we should love our neighbors as ourselves, like Jesus said. And I think that's kind of the defining principle. Uh, if we love our neighbor as ourself, then I think that'll guide us in pretty much every situation, assuming we love ourselves, right? Right. But, um, I so, think that's kind of my principle right there. Yeah. So can I, can I ask a question? Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, so what role does the Bible play in your life? Um, or does it play for, a role? You know what? I mean, what is it? What does it do for you? <laughs> for me, it um, it still does in, give inspiration, right? Because right. I know that it's a book full of pe- of writings of people who were throughout history uh, trying to find answers, kind of like I'm always trying to find answers. And so I think it's there's a lot of guidance there. These people were really seeking, and I think that that can kind of guide us along a certain way. So. I guess what I was trying to get at. So if, if the, if the Bible's not playing a major role in your life, how, how important is the role of the Holy spirit in your life? Man, um, it's a good question. Uh, I don't know. I do pray. Right. Uh, so, uh, yeah. And I I don't know your, and I don't know your background and just to kind of give you a background. I, if you could put me in a camp, um, I'm like, I'm, I, I don't even know how to do it. So don't quote me on this or don't wrap me in this box, but I'm, I'm dip my toe in like really charismatic streams and like Holy spirit revelation. Um, yeah. Prophecy, that kind of stuff, like sensing, like I feel like the Lord's leading me or God saying, or got visions, dreams, God. So I'm kind of in that camp just to give mm-hmm. you an idea. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I just, I try to do the best I can. I try to love people. I try to help people. And you know, the, uh, Galatians says, which here I am quoting Paul, right. Uh, <laughs> but it says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And I feel that if I'm doing the best I can to love people, to help people, and you know, if everybody's created by God, then I must be on the right track of, of that. You know what I, you know what I enjoy hearing you talk, just as I'm listening to you, I feel like you've, you've gotten away from some of the more complexities of Christianity and you've just boiled it down to very simple philosophy of, of love, of love. Yeah. Right. Like, and you're, so you're, I'm like, yeah, tell me about the spirit. Cause I mean, cause I could talk about how I believe in all this, you know, vision, revelation, prophecy stuff. Yeah. He's crazy. But, right. but you're just, I'm just kidding. Yeah. But you're just <laughs> like, well, the scripture says the fruit of the spirit is this. And so if I'm living that out and I'm doing that and showing people those, like if that's happening through me, well then, you know, what else is there? I mean, right. there's leading and guiding yeah. and there's, there's all that stuff, but just a foundational understanding and a foundational philosophy of are these fruits coming out of my life? Right. And I think that's kind of where Jesus was. It's just love people. Right. Um, you know, we could talk about all the different conferences that they had during the Roman empire and they debated, they debated about the doctrine of the Trinity and, uh, you know, um, all these is God, is it monotheistic? Is it polytheistic? And, you know, there's all these debates and all these different denominations that arose out of different interpretations of, all this theology. And, you know, I can talk about that, but that's not what guides my life. What guides my life is just loving people. And, you know, there are some camps and I think it's no different than the, the, this unfortunate Baptist, small Baptist church camp that you came out of growing up, but they will, you know, 
Oh, come to Jesus. Jesus loves you. Come as you are. Repent of your sins. He loves you. He'll clean you up. He'll he'll give you a new life. He'll wipe your sins away. And you're like, yeah, that sounds wonderful. I would love that. And they're like, okay, so now we need you to start coming to these doc- indoctrination classes, right? These theology. Right. We need you to form proper theology, and we're going to teach you sound doctrine. And so here are all these issues. And you know, here's poly is you know, do we believe in post trib or pre trib? And do we believe right, this, that, and right. the other? Do we believe in women in ministry? How do we feel about homosexuality? And then it's Jesus and all of this set of doctrines and theologies, but you know, what I hear from you is just, it's just Jesus. Like, and, and that's kind of, I, I feel like that's kind of where I'm getting. I don't like, you know, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's fear, but I don't like to make definitive statements on issues anymore. Yeah. I, I just either. don't, because I feel like it's so like, who are we to be standing here? I don't know. It just, the only, it's the, tough for me the right only now in this season. statements I like to make are those against the current state of the Western church that, I mean, those are, I love making those statements, but even then, I mean, and I've talked about that with my heart and all that, but it, I mean, would you say that you feel like you've experienced a freedom or a release of, I don't know, I hate, I'm not going to use the word bondage, but like just a freedom in like moving this route, you know, in landing in this place of like, you know, the Bible is, it, it still plays a role in my life. I just don't view it. Like, does it seem like it's this major cog in this wheel that breaks things? It doesn't seem like it. Like if you remove this no. one piece for you, it doesn't seem like it's, it ruins your faith and shatters it. Right. I mean, it's certainly a lot better than I was when I was at that little Baptist church, with, right, uh, yeah. uh, you know, with the, uh, associate pastor. Right. Uh, but I, I feel like I'm more free to help people. Um, you know, um, if somebody comes to me with a problem of, you know, whether it's something like, you know, hey, I'm undocumented or if it's something like I'm gay and I'm and, and my parents kicked me out or something like that. I'm there to help. I'm not there to just say, well, you know, Leviticus chapter 19 says this, you know, it's I can love you, but more... I got to hate that that sin inside of you. <laughs> one of, right. One of my favorite things to bring up and I. I feel like I kind of talk about this in circles, but you know, it's exactly what you're saying right now. You know, you get someone who comes to you and needs help and then it's not your, I mean, you're thinking, well, I don't want to go and just say, well, Leviticus 19 says, but what did the Pharisees do? They caught a woman in adultery and they said, Hey, the Bible says to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus didn't do what their Bible said. So does that make him a bad Jewish boy or did that make him a sinner? Because it was written black and white that that woman should have been stoned to death. According to the law, she should have died. And if he was living according to the black and white system at that point in time, he would have stoned her and there would have been no questions asked. So maybe, you know, it's really interesting to go back to your point about the knowledge of treating good and evil. I mean, maybe that was Jesus at that time rejecting, hey, you have this black and white, you have this knowledge of good and evil, but I'm going to like, I'm going to completely reject that. It's really interesting when you when you hold that up next to the or what you presented. It's interesting, and I, I I often say this: the Pharisees got it wrong in the same way that the Pharisees got reading and interpreting the law incorrect. I think Christians can read and interpret incorrectly the scriptures we have today. And oftentimes when that happens, it puts us in a religious camp. And Jesus was not very happy with the religious order of his time. 
And so yeah. it makes us wonder, would he be really happy? And there are people who are like, I'm going to do what it says because it says it and it's black and white and it's right here. And if you don't like it, well, then too bad. Well, I mean, we even have a lot of friends and friends that have come on the podcast that, I mean, that are in these camps, you know, that kind of roll in these circles of like, dude, it's black and white. It says this, it's this or that. Um, yeah. And you know, I, there was a woman who, um, there was a woman who posted something on Facebook the other day and it was something, it had something to do with abortion and, uh, you know, that's a huge debate right now and I don't like to get into it, but she, there was a woman who was in front of a Congress or a legislation, a legislative session in her state. And she was imploring the, um, the legislators at that time to like, you know, kind of hear the case and err on the side of love and mercy and grace and this kind of stuff. And she was a a Christian. She claimed to be a Christian and she was also a pastor um, and she was pro choice. Um, and so anyway, somebody posted something uh, about this and she actually used that story that I just brought up of the woman caught in adultery. And uh, she was right. just basically saying the leg- to the legislators, like, you know, let's put the stones down today. Um, and I thought that was a pretty powerful statement. I was like, what, do, you know, how, what would it actually look like if we put our stones down for a second? Um, but what happened was, um, Jesus, uh, wait, what, here, here's what I said. I said, you know, it's interesting to read your post and see this video because, you know, Jesus in his time, he really gave the religious leaders, you know, he, he spun their heads. They didn't know what to do with him. And as a matter of fact, they were so upset with him because of his radical views that they crucified him and killed him. And I said, you know, I would be interested to see how Jesus would deal with, um, people, you know, women who've had an abortion or considering having an abortion, I would be interested to see how he would deal with him in the conversation that would happen of him sitting across the table with a woman who's considering this. I said, I would probably weep because I've had it off for so long. And because of my idea of love in that situation is so far removed from his idea of love and how he act toward her, I would probably weep uncontrollably right. saying, Oh God, how he would respond. how he responded. I'd say, Oh God, change my heart. Forgive me. I would, I would be flat dumbfounded how he would react in this day and age. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I read, um, some writings from, um, pastors in New York in the late 1960s uh, until 1973, uh, in a lot of States abortion was illegal. Right. And, Oftentimes, of course, that would lead to these young women, girls going uh, and wanting to get an abortion, but they can't. So, of course, they were dying these horrible deaths, trying to give themselves abortions, their boyfriends giving them abortions, their parents giving them abortions. And so I read that there were a lot of pastors who would actually make connections with doctors and they would break the law in order to help young women get to real abortion clinics. So that that wow. way they could get their abortion in order to save these girls' lives. And I think the reality is none of us want anybody to have an abortion. It's, you know, it's, even people who get abortions, they're, they're sad. It, it's a heart-wrenching thing. It, for most people, it's not like, a, eh, you know, I'm getting an abortion. So, you know, I worry that if we make abortion illegal, it's going to turn back into this really bad problem. Right. And, you know, I think it's so essential that we try to find some way to decrease the number of abortions that doesn't push it back underground. Yeah. yeah so, well, you even know, like, it, it, it's like both sides. Well, you have you have the the 
was it per, it's pro-choice and pro-life. Pro so yeah, the pro-life side, looking at the pro-choice side, thinking that they're pro-death and like murder, and that that's that's nobody not, wants babies to die. Right. Like it's not right. like people are one side or the others. And I think that people miss that, and yeah. and they put them I, in this camp and they lump in all of these other assumptions, and and they think, well, if you think that, then you must believe this. Right. And that's not the case for everybody. There's a lot of inf- misinformation. There's a lot of misunderstanding. There's a lot. It's a polarized There's topic. That, mis- I mean, it's fuel to the fire. Misinterpretation of people's motives and that kind of thing. Again, it's like. It's easy to make this generic statement, but when you're dealing with people that it's actually affecting, it's a different situation. We went to a huge prayer gathering in D.C. two years ago, um, and it was on the National Mall, and there were tens of thousands of people there. And they had a they had a, a rally, which was a pro-life rally. But what I heard them say from stage was this. They said, we don't want to make abortion illegal. We want to make it unthinkable. And that's getting at the heart of the matter. That's saying we don't want people to ever have to be in a situation to where they have to have an abortion or even think about having abortion. That's like that's light years ahead of pro-life, pro-choice thinking. We're saying we want unthinkable. We don't even want it to be an option. And that's dealing with the heart. That's not just passing legislation. You know? Yeah, and I think that's where we, uh, we miss it a lot whenever it comes to politics is – you know, like even things like trying to make homosexuality illegal or, or, you know, any of that sort of thing, it's always going after the actions, right? But um, I think it's really about what's in your heart. And if the church is really serious, um, instead of trying to make all these things illegal, they need to be trying to reach people's hearts. Well, you know, I've always asked the question, well, you know, tell me about the last time we saw any group of people um, under legislated morality and how that turned out. Right. right yeah. Just yeah. because the law says, I mean, the law doesn't change hearts. I mean, if anything, yeah. the law corrupts hearts. Like this is, this is the narrative in the scriptures. Exactly. But, and so yeah. it just, it, it baffles me when people want to weaponize scripture or they want to, they want to use it for their agenda. I mean, your agenda is your agenda and it, it, it doesn't like to try to rope in the heart of God into the, into any kind of agenda that we have is it's just a huge miss. Yeah. So, so take us further into your journey now. Um, so and yeah, we jumped ahead quite a bit. Yeah. It's, it's, about Trump. it's, yeah, it's kind of, uh, yeah. So what, what have you done then? So like, you know, you've got to a point to where you're questioning and now you got to this place. You're like, well, I don't believe that the Bible's the word of God. It's still inspiration. You know, I, I want to love people. I want to follow Jesus. I agree with his teaching. So how have you then kind of navigated your journey moving forward? And, and how would you like, if there's anybody who's listening and they're just like, man, this is, uh, you know, I, I would like to know what to do now because I've kind of been in the same place. What would you say to them? Man. So, um, for me, uh, I kind of moved to the direction of politics. Um, I don't know if that's the best for everybody. Uh, it, right. it never works the way you want it want to. Um, you know, I think it's this unfortunate thing that you know I've done charity work and all of that, but passing one law that that uh, that helps people that puts some kind of safety net in place or requires paying workers a living wage or something like that, that can do so much more than you know hours and hours of charity. And that's a dilemma that I struggle with is. You know, like I want to help people the most I can. And I feel like politics is where you can get the most bang for your buck a lot of times. But it doesn't always work out the way that you want to. Um, You know, I heard a a story. I don't even know if it's true. um, 
somebody went to one of the popes and was like, uh, we don't have enough money to give to the poor anymore. Um, so we're going to have to lay off some workers. And the pope was like, no, let's just not give money to the poor and make sure we pay the workers, right? Because by doing that, you're humanizing people. It's not just the masses of poor over there. It's people who are who are working and earning an honest wage. And so, you know, basically that's a big part of what I want to do is try to humanize people to try to, you know, get it to where our society sees everybody as people, because I think that's where problems happen is when you see people as objects or as things or as or or as a belief. And that's really that's really rampant right now is like you take one belief, just one. I mean, and and I I listen to a guy, I listen to a podcast called the Bad Christian Podcast. And there is a a guy on there. He always says this. He says, we are 99% alike. Like we are more alike than we are different people as a whole. But we take these percentages, these small beliefs, or maybe they're big beliefs, but these things and they, we think that we're nowhere near as close to being the same as we really right. are. Yeah. And, and I think that, yeah, we can't, we can't boil someone down to a belief, humanizing people, humanizing them and their experiences, everything that's happened to them. Yeah. That's what it's about yeah. and, right. and loving them. So, so yeah. I have to, I have to ask, have you come across anybody, uh, maybe, so I've heard some negative connotation around the, around the term humanist, or humanism, if you're familiar with humanism. And so people will say Jesus was a humanist. Um, and so I've heard some Christians getting lumped into that camp and saying, well, they're not actually Christians. They're humanist. They believe in, in Jesus and the way that he dealt with uh, humanity, but they wouldn't subscribe to all of the doctrines that a true Christian subscribes to. How would you respond to that? Um, I don't know. Nobody's ever caught me that before. But, <laughs> okay, uh, good. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I still consider myself a Christian. Uh, I know some people don't, but you know, it's that's still what I think. So yeah, that's fine. And again, that term is used very loosely these days. It's like Christian, Christian. Yeah, yeah. and it comes with so much baggage, and it does. Come people with baggage, assume yeah. so much. Again, it's just like you know, you say you're pro-life. Well, I'm going to throw you into a camp and assume all sorts right. of things about you. Right. And so you, you think, say you're Christian, I'm going to throw you into camp. Do you think people are going to throw us into camps after having this, this discussion? I'm, I'm like sure. This but I mean, if, if you've, it, I was thinking about that as I've been saying the things I'm saying. And again, I don't feel like I'm making any kind of hard stances that put well, me no, anywhere, I mean, but you can just infer. We're just, we're just talking about the things right. that we've been processing. And, yeah. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with processing. And, and I, I believe that God is and will continue to meet us in this process. So if you can't have an open, honest, conversation, um, with people who don't believe 100% exactly like you do, there's something wrong. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't 100% agree. And I think we're foolish to think that everybody will 100% agree with everything that we believe about everything. You know what I mean? Again, it's that 99% you talked about. Right. And I think it's important that we always listen and think about what other people say. I think too often we're like in defensive mode, we're in battle mode. But really, I think it's important to listen. One of my like always goals is that I can always look at myself three years ago and say, man, I was so dumb back then. Look at how much (laughs) I've grown over the last three years. Right. But to grow requires 
being open, right? My, right. my goal, the, even with the craziest arguments on Facebook or whatever, my ultimate goal isn't to be right, but to find truth. And, you know, if, if somebody makes a good point, I'm probably not going to right there be like, you know what, you're right. I'm changing everything I believe, but I'm going to think about it. Right. And maybe three, four months down the road, I'll be like, hey, you know, I've been really been thinking about that. I think you might actually be onto something, but I, I, I want to ultimately seek truth, not just force people to be like me. And so, see, that's a that's another posture of your heart that's encouraging and or inspiring because, you know, I, I don't like to get into debates number one, because I'm, I'm a feeler, which means my emotions run high. And so if I get into a heated debate or conflict with somebody, I'm going to feel, I'm going to carry that, the feeling of that conversation with me everywhere I go until I get over it or there's some sort of resolve. Like it's, it's difficult for me um, to do that. Although I do enjoy open conversation. I like to hear from people. I like to learn from people. Why do you believe what you believe? What led you to believe that? Right? Like, how do you navigate this life when you're just like, well, the Bible's not it. You know, like I want to, I want to know these questions, but your posture is not, let me get on here and push my agenda and my black and white beliefs on people. Let me, let me present those, but then also let me be open to what they're presenting. And also, you know, I, maybe I'm not right about everything. Look, I'm, I'm 37 years old. Um, the person I am now is not who I was when I was 25 and when I was 15, when I was 12, right? Like, and who I am now is not who I'm going to be at 47 or 57 or 67. You even just take Cody's rule of three years. Both of us are completely different. We're completely different people. people. Right. Right. So that being said, like, I think it's foolish and it's prideful. We're blinded by pride to think that we are right about all things in all ways at this moment in time. I could be complete. You know what? It's like when I first started preaching um, and I was 28, I started preaching. And uh, anyways, I go back and listen to some of those sermons from when I was 29, 30, 31. And I'm like, who was that guy? Like, why are you saying those things? Stop saying those things. Is there any way to delete this? I've even deleted some of those sermons because like, I don't want any of that stuff to ever get out again. You know, but I, back then I'm preaching it like I believed it and like it was the greatest truth on the face of the planet. And like, this is what people needed to hear. And I go back and listen now. I'm just like, who was that guy? You see what I'm saying? Like we're foolish and prideful to think that we've got it all figured out right now. We have to keep the open heart. So I have a question for you. Are you a part of a community of faith right now? Do you uh, do you have like a people that no. you hang out with that are Christians um, as well? I mean, I do have other Christians that I hang out with, but no, I'm not part of any kind of church or anything. Um, I do teach a, a Western civilization class uh, and we read, you know, like everything from Homer all the way up to the Bible, all the way up to Dante and right. all that sort of thing. And the way the class kind of works is we have an assigned reading and we sit around a circle and discuss the readings. That's cool. Uh, in, in some ways, I mean, you might be able to com- compare that to church in some way or another, yeah, but yeah. that's not the ideal behind it. But, yeah. uh, but no, I don't have anything like that right now. Gotcha. So I want to just say something um, to that because here's what I, here's what I really love about um, what I think is great about or should be great should be recognized as a positive thing um, within Christianity and just believers in general. Let me read this. I, I didn't set that up very well. Deuteronomy six, six through nine. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. 
Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So the Lord gave commandments to his people. And he's basically saying, look, I've given you some, some, some things that I want you to think about. I want you to talk about them. I want them to be points of conversation. I want them to be everywhere so that when you see them, that you're thinking about them, you're meditating about them, you're having, and, and it talks about, uh, when you're on the road, when you're walking along the road, talk about them and have conversation. God is commanding the people after having given them word to actually wrestle through this stuff together in community at home, on the road, when you're leaving, when you're coming, when you're going, when you're lying down, when you're getting up, because he, I believe he sees the value in this kind of open conversation. And we should be having these conversations. Sadly, a lot of what church is these days is that you get a guy who stands on stage and he tells you a bunch of stuff about what the Bible says and what he thinks. And then you sit there silent and then you go home. And then what happens after that? There's no open dialogue about it. But I think what you're talking about is being able to just have conversation with people doing these book clubs talking about, that's why we freaking love this podcast because we get to talk about this stuff. It's so invigorating. It's encouraging. It's energizing. You can get it to work. Like I believe honestly, (laughs) right? Like, so I know this might sound crazy, but I believe that I'm living or existing or acting in a biblical fashion. When we sit around and have conversations like this at a podcast table, I truly believe it. I believe it honors God. I believe it's in line with what he's commanded. Think about it. Talk about it. Meditate on it. Right. The things we talk about on the podcast are things that we've, we've posted or a question we've asked somebody else or something we wrote down or something I thought about at three in the morning or something I've been meditating on for months and it just keeps coming up and it keeps coming up. And I think it's absolutely valuable to continue to have this kind of dialogue and conversation, regardless of if the things that are being said agree, line up with what you believe 100%, right? Like we're, you, you may be in a different camp than I'm in, than Christopher's in, and we may not all be on the same page and you know, whatever people might listen to some of this and say, well, that guy's not a believer, but it doesn't, I mean, we can still be living and acting biblically. I think you're a believer, Cody. Thanks. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. And so anyways, they all believe something totally different in three years. So. Yeah, that's very true. It's pretty very wild. True. Pretty wild. Well, is there, yeah, is there um, anything you have that you want to, you want to add before we just leave to out? leave to our listeners? We can each kind of um, give a final, final word. Sure. Yeah, no, I would always just encourage people, um, you know, even if you completely reject everything that I think about whether the Bible is the word of God, um, we, we know that we still have an American Western bias, right? So when we do read the scriptures, we always want to think about that, right? Uh, am I interpreting this as Jesus or Paul or whoever meant it? Or am I like looking at it as somebody who's inherited everything that America has handed down? Because, you know, I think that that's something that really blinds us a lot. And, um, you know, I would encourage people to just make sure that you're getting beyond that American way of looking at it and also just love people. Do you have some sort of resource maybe that's been um, critical for you to be where you're at or something you go to now, like just anything that maybe you can share, like a blog or uh, like anything that people can oh. look up or Google? Um, no, I mean, I, I still... Um, you know, I read a lot, um, especially a lot of like ancient philosophy, all that sort of thing. I also watch, uh, pastors, you know, on YouTube and, uh, do you pick them apart? 
Uh, <laughs> no, I don't. I'm kidding. I, I'm, I kidding still, I'm kidding. I, uh, I, I look for, you know, um, for guidance and inspiration. Uh, interestingly enough, I completely disagree with some of what he says. But uh, for a while, while I was in high school, I was going to Lakewood Church. Um, and right. Yeah, that's that's you, so you've we, got two other Lakewooders here. Yeah, that's so right. I didn't drop the name, but that's where I met Cody was right. at the at, at youth group at Lakewood. Yeah. So and yeah. then you to put that in your pipe and smoke at Salty Dogs listeners, Chris Cerna <laughs> and Jason of Villanueva both attended Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas. Get you some of that. I mean, it was it was a it was a big role. It was it played a huge role in my life as an early believer, like in my family, what, completely turning their was lives it, around. Was it or was it not formative in your early Christian years? It was extremely formative, it's, and and it set as, me on a path. I mean, because but what made it what made it what it was was people, the people and people investing in my life and loving me. Um, I mean. Yeah, sure. There are some things that I don't agree with that that Joel teaches, but or or maybe even his. But I'll say this: like, man, I've sp- I've felt the spirit stronger in that place than I have in a lot of other churches. And I've had people that have taken me under their wing and loved me mm-hmm. and cared about me and invested in my life. Right. Yeah. I yeah, mean, it's but- it's interesting. You can't just write it off, and a lot of people want to because of you know, what the pastor's saying. And right. and I think that's a lesson for us too. We look at churches and we look at pastors and we say, well, that's not effective, but there's probably a lot of things happening in those sure. church. Yeah. So anyway, you, something you want to say yeah. Cody about that? Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the first time I walked into Lakewood, it was 1998. Uh, and that's when I, uh, started, you know, like what I would do is I would go to my Baptist church Sunday morning and Wednesday night, and I would go to Lakewood Sunday night and, uh, pastor John Osteen, like I showed up there my, my first night and it completely changed my life. And they called it an oasis of love at the time. Now it's discover the champion and you or whatever it is, but it was an oasis of love and it was all about love. And like I say, that just really changed my life. So now uh, (laughs) I uh, go to YouTube and I still watch uh, John Osteen's sermons. Yeah. And you know, some of our listeners just went, well, they don't, no wonder Cody's theology is all jacked up. (laughs) He went, man, I used to love going and hearing hearing Paul Osteen preach and Scott Crenshaw. I used to love Dude, all Scott those Crenshaw guys, was legit. Yeah. There was another guy. Uh, I can't remember his, I can't Marcos remember his name. Marcos Witt, the guy that was the I remember Spanish that guy too. Yeah. Anyways, there was a lot of really, a lot of really great stuff that happened. Right. And I never was quite into Joel as much, but John Osteen's <laughs> sermons, those were the ones that really changed my life. For yeah. Sure. It was, it was an interesting time in my life for sure. And it was definitely a stepping stone in my, in my faith walk, my journey. Yeah. I mean, cause I went there, but then I went other places, but you know, you can ask Christopher, like, I used to go to Lakewood, and if Uncle Jason was at church, it oh, meant, I knew he was gonna cry. He I was, was God was gonna break his dude, I was, heart during worship, dude. I was a weeping mess it, it, just yeah. during those times. Like I would go, and the Lord would just get a hold of me. I don't think it mattered what anybody was saying. It didn't matter what the preaching was going on. I was sitting there, and God was meeting me there because right, He had Maybe my it attention. Even had little to do with the preaching. Very little about like just yeah. God just speaking to you right well, then and there. Well, the one thing that I have to say about Lakewood is that you get that many people in a room. Who I mean, you you can't say twelve thousand people in a building um, that not you know one of those people actually have a heart for God. the yeah. The truth is probably the majority of those people have a heart for God, and so you get that many people in a room crying out to the Lord. You think He's not going to meet you there because of some guy on stage, maybe not preaching what you think is a true gospel? Give me a break. God's going to meet His people there. Give me a break. Right. So that's what I have to say. <laughs> that's your that's your final word. That's my thing. Man, I don't, I I agree with Cody. I, that that's my final word. What Cody said is 
acknowledge Ditto. acknowledge the fact that we have a tendency, a bias to read scripture through Western eyes. And I would even say, go look up that book. I need to finish it. I still have the the audio book, but what was it called? Uh, interpreting scripture through Western eyes or something like Mis- that. Misread. So we're putting this stuff in the show notes. I've already got them going. Misreading okay. scripture with Western eyes, removing cultural blinders to better understanding the Bible by E. Randolph Richards. Yeah. And then also I'm linking Jesus. Have I loved, but Paul question mark, a narrative approach to the problem of Pauline Christianity by J.R. Daniel Kirk. Yeah. And that's what I would say. And love people. Yeah. Just acknowledge that fact. And I'm still wrestling with what I believe about the Bible. Right. And that's okay. It's and totally fine. I love Jesus and I want to, I want to show the love of Jesus. Right. So. so we didn't get as much into, you know, the script, like what is the word of God? Cause people use that phrase. They say the word of God and then they, they mean the Bible, but actually there are two terms for word in the scriptures. And I love this teaching and uh, we'll have to dive a little bit yeah, into maybe that, that more one often. Will be called the, what is the Bible? What is the Bible? Yeah, but we'll what I want to leave people with, like something I use a resource when I read scripture and I study scripture, I, I go to Biblehub.com and they have a bunch of different um, versions. Yeah. Right. They have a parallel Bible. They have commentary, uh, but they have an interlinear Bible, which actually breaks down the scripture word for word. So it's a word for word interpretation. It's not a pair. Uh, what's it called? It's not a paraphrase. It's not even an interpretation really, um, because the syntax doesn't make sense. Like you read, you read it translated verbatim word for word, and it doesn't make sense. Um, because the syntax for Greek and Hebrew is not the same as the syntax for English, just like the syntax for uh, Spanish isn't the same, right? So anyways, um, and you can look at the individual words and what they mean, and that's where I really came across this, the word for scripture, the word for rhema, and the word for logos, and uh, just using this as a tool and really saying, what does that word really mean? Um, And, you know, what's the, is it a, epitomology is that the word what's the study of words like the i think it's etymology etymology not epitomology (laughs) epitome etymology of the word yeah what's the background the history of it where did it come from so anyways that's just a resource for me and if you guys want to go look that up and and learn how to use that tool it's it's uh something great to look at so yeah I would say last thing is, man, go, we still have that Salty Dogs uh, Christian podcast group going on. Let me go through and just read some of the questions. Somebody Facebook. asked, Yeah, on Facebook, sorry. Uh, someone asked this last week, do you believe the Spirit of God changes you, or, or are we awarded with the Spirit of God for changing? There was that. There were some comments on that. Somebody said, uh, I, was, uh, I was taught you preach the word and get people into church and their lives will get better. I'm seeing people around me struggling more than ever. Marriage is falling apart. Addictions running, ruining people's lives. What gives? I mean, there's all sorts of questions. What is the role in the life of the, uh, of the Bible and the life of a Christian? Um, there's all sorts of, right. of conversations going on here. So we would encourage you uh, to join this group. We have 52 people right now. Man, I'd love to see this bad boy get over 100. Yep. And uh, and not everyone mm-hmm. agrees with everything that everyone says. It's and that's, true. And that's okay. Yeah. But it's just, if you just search the Salty Dogs Christian Podcast right. group, you can find it. And, uh, and we... We want to continue to have these conversations offline. Yep. Yep. For sure. That's a way people can get, uh, get in on some conversation. And so Cody, we would hope that you would join the Facebook group and maybe school us, man, school, school yeah, us. <laughs> get in on some conversations and just see what people are talking about. And we, you know, we, we want to keep it clean, want to keep it, uh, you know, just be mindful of people and just have, not conver- be, just be have open com- to conversations, yeah, be open to, conversation, open so, to different points of views. Yeah. Speaking to, speaking of conversations, uh, so, 
we do also have our Patreon page. Um, we and just so released a bonus We episode. did, right? So patreon.com slash Salty Dogs Podcast. And uh, our plan is to be releasing a new episode every uh, every month. I think total we've got about four or five um, bonus episodes that are for patrons only. And so I just want to say this. like, there, it, We created the Patreon page just in case people wanted to give financially to the podcast. And there have been some people who've given, and we've got uh, nine patrons right now. Um, some give as little as $5 a month. And we have a couple people who are giving $50 a month. And so we're not lining our pockets. We're just upgrading equipment. And, uh, we actually bought some swag and that kind of stuff. So we're going to start giving some of those things away, but it's not that we're trying to run a Patreon account so that we can make a bunch of money. It's that we want to continue to make that account, um, valuable for those who have already chosen to give. Yeah. And if other people would find value in that, well, then they can go and give financially. And so, yeah. And I mean, then there's everything that, you God says in Malachi. Oh gosh. That storehouse and all that. So just be sure you do that or you're going to go to hell. Yeah. So we're, Um. so, so think about it in a, in about eight, in about 12 months, we're going to have roughly 12 bonus episodes. I will say this. I want to get to the point to where we're doing two a week and then eventually I want to do one every week. Yeah. Well, I would love to podcast every week as well. We, we will get there. I don't know that that's totally feasible. It so. will happen. Just not. Yeah. Well, Cody, thanks again, man. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for hanging hey, out. Thanks for having me. It was great. I know we took up a lot of your time tonight. We really appreciate it. And so maybe we can have another conversation soon. Maybe we'll get you on a bonus episode or something like cool. that. But yeah, very nice to meet you um, yeah. via Skype. And yep. So have a good night, man. Yep. Have a good night. Right. And see you later, Salty Dogs listeners. All right. Goodbye. Okay,